teaching ministry of Pastor Debbie Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Now, I want you to turn to Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 39. I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they were past the age of uh, bearing child, bearing a child, but the Lord gave them a promise, and Abraham thanked God and spoke his faith, and they had, they had a child, amen? So if you're believing God for a child, just believe that that life is working in you. Amen. amen. It's working mightily in you. That is the healing covenant that we have. But what I was emphasizing is the fact that what she said, if it be thy will, and how many in here have heard that statement before? Many people have many times watching you know tv ministers on tv or what have or just you know just somebody that doesn't understand that it's a religious statement that they've heard somebody else well if it be god's will i remember my grandmother she's in heaven right now she would say well i need a hip if it be god's will to just give me a new hip and i say grandma you know it's God's will already, but she had already been, you know, well, moving right along. I, I didn't want to dishonor her, but I, I, she would read my Kenneth Hagin books and, and uh, thank God for healing. Then the next statement she'd say, but if it be God's will, to, because she grew up in that. We have to cha change our thinking. Okay, Luke 22, verse 39, because this is the only place that I know of in the Bible where people get the statement, if it be your will. But it's a misplaced statement if they're asking if it be God's will for healing, if it be God's will for prosperity, if it be God's will uh, for peace in your mind, if it be God's will. Uh, because this was a, a, a place where Jesus came to his disciples and say, uh, pray, spend time fellowshipping with your father, and we'll find out why here. Uh, but this was a place of consecration before the Lord. And every day we consecrate ourselves to God. Amen. We come to him and say, Lord, what is your will for my life? Amen. Now, you don't have to pray to help in your local church. It already says not to forsake the assembling together. So put your hand to the plow. You know, you're supposed to help. We're a family. You help in family. In, in your home, you help take out the trash, help make dinner, what have you. Well, we have things here. So you don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your will, give me a sign to, he to help and helps ministry. Well, he's already given you a sign. Go do thou likewise. Amen. So we don't have to pray about those type of things, but we just say, Lord, what is your best today? Uh, lead me across people's path that you would have me to speak encouragement, to minister to. Uh, let me have an understanding of what the future is in my life. I mean, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Sometimes God doesn't show us everything. We couldn't be able to handle it. So we just need to get in the word. We need to pray in the Holy Ghost. We need to build ourselves up. And then whatever God needs to show us for the time, be open to it. And when he does show us, actually do it. Amen. Amen. Don't sit around and say, Lord, is it really? Is it? Oh. Okay. 
But let's see what Jesus did. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, let's back up. Did it say pray that you need healing and wholeness? No. He said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Temptation is a solicitation. It's a provocation. It, uh, this is a good one. An enticement to sin, temptation, whether arising from the desires or from the outward circumstances, an internal temptation to sin of the temptation by which the devil sought to divert Jesus the Messiah. So a temptation is when you're drawn away, you're looking at something else, and then you're diverted on that course, and then it becomes sin. You may say, uh, but I, maybe I didn't do that thing, but I'm not in sin. When you are disobeying a direct a direction from the Lord, it is sin. When we disobey, it's sin. Okay, uh, sometimes we don't know a clarity, so we just have to say, Lord, show us exactly what you want for our life. Amen. Amen. But there are many things and we'll talk about God's will for our life. But let's read on here. Verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Notice, Father, if it is your will. He wasn't begging. He wasn't crying. He wasn't trying to wrench out of God's hand anything. And he certainly wasn't praying for healing. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. So first of all, he said, Father, if it's your will, take this away from me. In other words, if, if we can get by with the plan of redemption without me having to go to the cross, let's do it. I, I don't blame him for that. You weren't facing what Jesus was facing. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, whatever needs to be done. Uh, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, in, let, let's go ahead and read the rest of it. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down into the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Remember that, sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter in temptation. So twice he told them, lest you enter in temptation. Now let's go back to verse 44. Actually, 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Jesus took time to fellowship with the Father to consecrate himself to the Lord, and therefore he was strengthened. When, no, today we, we can pray in the Holy Ghost. We read the Word of God and get strengthened. We do what we need to do. We fellowship with the Father. We consecrate our life to Him, praying the Holy Ghost, building ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We read the Word because it says be strong in, his in the power of His might. Let the Word of God richly dwell in you, and it strengthens you because there's life from His Word. Amen. And Jesus did the right thing, therefore an angel came and strengthened him. Now, we don't need an angel to come strengthen us today, but if he does, hey, I'm all for it. But we can draw strength from within. But we've got to drive the word down inside, and we've been talking about meditating, speaking the word of God, and when we drive it down on the inside, we have something to draw from. 
But if we're not driving it down inside every opportunity because we get depleted and we have to replete ourselves, we have to keep putting the word in there because when you make withdrawals, you've got to make more deposits. When you go in the bank, you have $500 in the bank, you take it all out, then do you go back to the bank and say, hey, I need another 500? The teller's going to say, you don't have it in there. So many times during a halfway into our day, we haven't spent any time with the Lord, haven't spent time praying the Holy Ghost, haven't spent time depositing the word inside, fellowshipping with him. We don't know what in the world his will is because we haven't been talking to him. I'm talking about for that day. Do I need to know for every day? Absolutely. Every single day. Amen. And we need to make deposits from the word so that halfway into our day or three fourths into our day, when we're at that place where, where normally we'd be stumped or the enemy is bringing attacks and oppression against us, we can say, hey, I'm strong in the Lord yes. and in the power of his might because you say what's inside. Yes. You say what's inside. Yes. Amen. So Jesus was saying that you may not enter temptation. It didn't have anything to do, didn't have diddly squat to do with sickness and disease. All right? Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And for verse 44, being in agony, in other words, anguish, and one said mental anguish. There were thoughts bombarding Jesus. I believe the very atmosphere was charged with demonic activity. Why? He was getting ready to go to the cross. The enemy was throwing everything at Jesus and his disciples that were with him. When you're in a church that preaches the word and yields to the anointing, you're going to have demonic activity come, from, uh, come against you. Ah, I'm not going to come here anymore. Well, he's not going to let up on you. You need to hear the word and be under the anointing so that you can be strong in the Lord or you'll be lacking behind, defeated in life. Sure, you can go down to the church of the first doubt and unbelief if you want to. I'm not trying to put anybody in. I don't know the street, church down the street. I'm not referring to anyone, okay? I'm just making a statement. You can go to the church of the first doubt and unbelief if you want to. But you'll just, you'll lack. If you have sickness and disease in your life, you won't be able to overcome it. So you need to go to a church that teaches and preaches the word of God so that you can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You can strengthen yourself through the word of God, through praying in the Holy Ghost, through godly fellowship with other believers. Amen. Jesus agonized because of the things that were coming against his flesh and his emotions. And, and you may say, yeah, that's right, Pastor Debbie. I've been overcome by mental anguish. Well, first of all, you weren't going to the cross. You don't know anything about demonic activity until you've been Jesus and you've went to the cross. Because when he got to the cross, not only was he going to be facing mental anguish, but he was going to literally be taking sickness and disease, literally be taking oppression on himself, lack and poverty and destruction to free us, because he was the spotless lamb, the only one that was able to do this. Amen? So you may say, but I've been overcome. Uh, secondly, first of all, you, you weren't going to the cross. And you haven't experienced what Jesus experienced. Secondly, Jesus took your oppression on the cross already. 
so you've already overcome in Christ. You just need to get it down your heart and speak it out of your mouth. Luke 4.18, remember, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Uh, Jesus taught healing. He taught deliverance from oppression. His teaching and preaching and healing ministry taught these things. So why would he come to God and say, Lord, if it be your will, if it be your will that we're sickly and poverty stricken, no. It was a prayer of consecration because Jesus' life and ministry was all about preaching what Isaiah had prophesied. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He knew the devil wanted to fight that with everything in the bombardment that came against him, the, the oppressive thoughts, the demonic activity. But he overcame, and the angel strengthened him. He told his disciples, you pray so that you would be strengthened. They had a, it's, it, it, you know, I thought that was interesting. Let's go back real quickly to verse 45 in Luke 22. He found them sleeping from sorrow. Well, what does that mean? Sorrow means to be heavy, to grudgingly, heaviness, sorrow. They were, they knew they had a sense what they were facing here. And Jesus was telling them, I'm going to the cross. All right, I, they didn't quite have a, a total conception of it because we find that later. Uh, but Jesus was warning them. Remember Peter? He had warned him, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, oh, I'll never do that. Have you ever said that before? Oh, I would never miss it in that area. And then you decide to go to bed, and you, not, you don't get up, you don't spend time with the Lord, and then it comes up that situation, and you yield to sin. Well, why did I do that? Well, first of all, you went to sleep and didn't put your spirit first. Now, I'm saying use wisdom. We need to get sleep. They needed sleep. But when we feed our spirit, really, we don't need as much physical rest as what we may think. Now, you, you need a good seven, eight hours a night, okay? And your children even need more than that. So don't, need, don't get stupid, all right? Need sleep. I remember there was a trip, a conference in, at World Harvest we were going to some years back, and I was exhausted, but really just mentally exhausted from all the things that ha had to be done and packing and, and making decisions and what have you. And, I, and it, it seemed like every time I tried to get rest... It just wasn't happening. But more than anything, it was a mental thing. And then I understood that the enemy, every time, every time that we go to these meetings, he's trying to keep us from going. Well, Jesus was going to the cross, and the enemy was trying to keep him from going there. He's trying to keep us from our answer. You ever notice when you're getting ready to go to church, the dog's barking, the kids are... Well, first of all, you need to tell the kids to... Be quiet and shut the dog outside and prepare your heart for church. But any time conferences are coming up and what have you, understand the enemy's trying to keep you out of that because that's going to spiritually help you. So don't give in to that. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
So what was I saying? I was on the plane and we were headed to uh, World Harvest Church for a conference that week. I think it was a, a fresh show that they now they call camp meeting in the summertime in June. And the Lord just, it just rose up in my heart, just praying the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now I didn't, uh, we were on a plane. And so just very lightly to myself, I didn't pray. I mean, some people pray so loud, they look weird. Yeah. Moving right along. So I just, uh, to myself, just praying in the spirit, just very lightly, barely even moving my lips, okay? And a couple, two, three hours later, and I had to press through the flesh because I was tired. I just wanted to sleep. But it's one of those type, if, even if you w were to have fallen asleep, you ever fall asleep on a plane anyway? You wake up and you feel like, oh, I just got ran over by a truck. So I prayed in the Holy Ghost, and I was tired, and uh, mentally I was just, Lord, need some help here. But in a couple hours, I broke through. Yeah. And I was refreshed. Yeah. And I was whistling a tune and praise the Lord. You know, I was doing that by faith before. Maybe a little grumpily, but I was doing it by faith. <laughs> but it kicked in. Yeah. All right? So Jesus was trying to warn the disciples, you need to strengthen yourself by fellowshipping with the Lord. And we, we know what we need to do, don't we? Praying in the Holy Ghost, building ourselves up on the word. Remember I, I gave you first, uh, if, if you think that mental oppression has, uh, has overcome you, first of all, you haven't experienced what Jesus experienced. Second of all, he took your oppression. Thirdly, Jesus delegated authority to you to speak to that oppression and tell it to go. Now, that doesn't mean that it's just going to go right away. You've you got to stand in your faith, and it will eventually leave. First Peter 5, 8 through 10, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay, and fourthly, realize that Satan is going to try to thwart you if you are going through doors that are affecting his kingdom. If you're going to churches like this, he's, he's going to try to get you out of the will of God. You're doing a good thing. If demonic activity is coming against you, hey, you're in the right place. Amen. Now, you could take that wrong. Uh, you need to spend time building yourself up in the word and prayer and praying in the spirit in order to stay out of temptation like Jesus told his disciples. Of course, at that time, the Holy Spirit hadn't been given, but now he has. And, and we need to pray in the spirit and build ourselves up. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. I know I'm going fast, but write them down and then get the CD. The whole armor of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Not just a few pieces of the armor. Put on the whole thing. Eat the whole roll, like Mama said. All right, then June 120, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I've said that several times, but there's a reason. We need to do it. Now, what is God's will? I hope that by this time you understand that the statement, if it be thy will for healing, is totally misplaced. God has, we have talked, we've spent weeks talking about God's will from Genesis 1-1 on. 
His will and covenant for the Israelites was healing. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. There is in no way, shape, or form does God want us to be sickly. So we don't ever have to pray if it be his will. And when mental anguish comes against us because we're going towards God's best in our life, we can resist it until it get out of our way. And just because, it, don't give up your faith just because it doesn't go overnight. Sometimes there are transitions in your life where the enemy's going to sit on your doorstep and just waiting for you to slip it up. What, am I, what do I mean by slip it up? Let go of your confession. Let go of, don't let go of your confession. So get up from your sleep and stupor. Read the word, pray in the Holy Ghost, and then go back to bed in faith. Amen. Amen. That's what Jesus was saying. So what is the will of God? I've got 15 minutes to tell you here. First of all, to be faithful. Consecrate your life daily to his plan and his purpose. Matthew 6.33, be faithful. Consecrate your life daily to his plan and purpose. What does Matthew 6.33 say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or way of doing things right and all these things shall be added unto you. You can't seek God, his kingdom and blessings without being right or obedient to his way of doing things. Amen? They work hand in hand. Now, we've been talking about Abraham and how he's the father, and he's the example of the God kind of faith, and he followed his father God, and we're to follow his faith. And why do I talk about that so much? Because it's all through the scripture. And we are the seed of Abraham. So if God is calling Abraham my father, and that I'm his seed, I want to know about him. Amen. And I want to follow his faith. Right. All right, Romans 4.13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the what? The righteousness of faith. So first of all, be faithful to the plan and purpose of God. Second of all, use your faith. Part of being faithful, works hand in hand, is using your faith. Pastor Jay made a statement let me find it in here. It's excellent. I was talking to him a little bit about these things yesterday. And the Lord said to him, all failure in Christian life or ministry could be classified as a faith failure. All failure in Christian life or ministry could be classified as a faith failure. In other words, not using your faith in any arena of life is a result of unbelief and yields to failure. So the statement again, all failure in Christian life or ministry could be classified as a faith failure. Now, Pastor Jay went on to share major areas to use your faith. We are healed by faith. We forgive by faith. We prophesy according to our proportion of faith. We give and receive by faith. We get understanding and revelation by faith. We're uh, faithful and obedient by faith. We speak or give utterance by faith, speak in tongues by faith, yield to joy by faith, yield or versus yielding to oppression. Reckon yourself dead by faith, prepare for the future by faith, 
If you're not ready for what God has for you, when it comes, it's because you didn't use your faith. Remember, uh, Noah built the ark. He prepared it by faith. If he hadn't built the ark, if he had said, well, Lord, I don't really think I need an ark. He would have washed away with everybody else. How many times we back talk God? <laughs> Maybe you don't like that word, but that's what it is. We back talk. Have your, did your mama ever tell you if she said, don't go to the store down the street when I leave, leave, you stay here. And then, you know, your sister, your brother's talking to you. Well, we need some milk at the store. And you kind of question your, well, she probably won't mind. So you go to the store and you come back. And, and then mama comes home. And she said, what didn't you understand about don't go to the store? And then she explains there are cars and there are things and you're too young to be going down there and your brothers and sisters tripped you up. All right. What don't you understand about that? We have our own plan and purpose and you can get hurt. So don't back talk mama. Don't back talk God. Don't back talk the pastor. We're just trying to help you. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, praise the Lord. Now, I want to go to Hebrews. This is a long passage, but it goes hand in hand with the prayer here. Jesus suffering at Gethsemane. Praise the Lord. Let me read something here, though. In Isaiah 1, 19... And 20, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So that goes along with being faithful. But not just being faithful, but being willing to do it. You're willing to come to this class and get up at 6 in the morning. Or if you can, at 6.30. Or maybe 6.45 if you really can make it and squeeze in there, you know. Get that extra amount of sleep. Uh, You're willing and obedient, not just obedient. And it says in verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, the word for rebel means disobey. So you might say, well, I'm not rebellious. Well, have you disobeyed God? That's rebellion. You shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I don't want to be devoured. Hebrews 2, 14. This is quite a lengthy scripture, but it talks about the three areas. One, being faithful. Number two, using your faith. And number three, if you do the, the first two, you won't enter into sin. You won't yield to temptation or enter into sin like Jesus told his disciples. If you pray, all right. Verse 14, Hebrews 2, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Uh, for, now, I might stop in here and, and say some things because I don't have a lot of time. The first thing if you've been in fear and subject to bondage, you don't have to be in fear anymore or subject to bondage. You speak to that thing. But you've got to get the word down inside of you and start speaking it and using your faith. All through this, it refers to faith. Verse 16, Indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. There it is again. We are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and high 
uh, and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. All right, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, we have a calling to be faithful, don't we? Uh, Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Of our confession, confession of what? Our confession of faith in Christ and our confession of faith in all the promises that belong to us through our redemption in Christ. Verse 2, who is faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Moses was faithful in all of God's house. God expects us to be faithful in the house of God. Faithful, not just on our terms. Do everything you know to do to help your local church. Do everything you know to do to help the body of Christ. But remember, first of all, don't get yourself so spread thin. Work out of your local church. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for those that, uh, that are young in the Lord, that Christ be formed in those. Uh, be effective here. And then it will go out from here. Amen. Be effective here. And it will go out from here. So what verse were we in there? Verse 4. Uh, yeah, for this one has been accounted worthy of more glory than Moses. Talking about Jesus. Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by somebody, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ is a son over his own house whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence. Confidence means faith. If we hold fast our faith and the rejoicing of hope firm till the end. Hope means confident expectation. It's not a worldly hope, a desire. It's a confident expectation that your faith is coming to pass. Verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. What did rebellion mean? Disobedience. Do not harden your heart. Hardening of the heart just means that you're, you're speaking unbelief, you're speaking unbelief, you're speaking unbelief to the point where you just get hardened to anything else. And it becomes a lifestyle. In the day of trial in the wilderness, verse 9, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Why are they going astray in their heart and not knowing his ways? Because they're speaking unbelief. Verse 11, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Rest just means enter into the promises of God. But how do we enter in? By speaking our faith. Verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Yes, I am emphasizing faith, if you want to know. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ... If we hold the beginning of our confidence or our faith steadfast to the end, while it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. 
uh, for who having heard rebelled indeed was it all who came out of Egypt led by, Mo led by Moses now with whom was he angry 40 years was it not with those who sinned whose corpses fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who did not obey so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief uh, so First of all, we need to be faithful to God's plan and purpose. But faithfulness and using your faith work hand in hand. If you're not using your faith and you're speaking unbelief, you actually are in sin and then you digress more into sin. Your heart just gets hardened and you just continue to digress. It would behoove you to be faithful. Uh, it helps ministry be faithful beyond time. Uh, be faithful to prayer. Be faithful to reading the word of God. Be faithful to building yourself up in the Holy Ghost. If you miss it, just get back up and get back into that faithfulness. God is merciful. We are merciful. Trust me, I'm merciful. I've missed it before. Now listen to this. I wanted, these are some things I wrote down here. Unfaithfulness is directly tied to not obeying God's direction, not esteeming his word, and not using your God-given faith, which is disobedience, unbelief, and sin, and yields no fruit, rather leads to further falling into the deception of sin. When we are unfaithful to God's word and leadings, and when we are not obedient to confess our faith in the blessings and grace in Christ, then we do without. We are yielding to sin when we allow unbelief in our hearts and to come out of our mouths. We also digress in further deception and sin. A hardened heart is a heart of rebellion that refuses to accept or obey God's word and his ways in doing things and thus speaks to the contrary. Harboring unbelief in your heart and speaking unbelief out of your mouth is serious sin and only leads to a deadly digression. We can't let anything in. We have to be serious. We have to make this a lifestyle. Uh, when somebody comes to us and makes a statement, uh, I, don't, you know, I don't think we have the money for this, I say, in Jesus' name, we have a supply. I speak to things. Now, I don't always correct other people. If they're in my family, I do. But just as Pastor Jay would correct me if I said something, many times we say, you want me to agree with that? But any time with the daycare or the church or something comes up that we need finances, what do we say? We have a supply. I am not speaking out of this mouth. We don't have enough. Now, I may say I'm not led to do such and such right now, or I may say, you know, wisdom is I can't uh, write a, a hot check and bounce a check, all right? I'm not using money in the account that's not there, but I'm speaking to that account that money be. What not be there? Money. So I speak money into my account, and it starts flooding in. Amen. Amen. I speak healing in my body. I'm not denying that sickness or symptoms are there, but I'm calling those things that be not as though, as though they were. What be not? Health, healing, amen. So speak that constantly. Don't let it out of your mouth. Lack. Don't let sickness and disease talk out of your mouth. You may go to the doctor and tell him the, the symptoms, what's wrong, fine. But when you leave that, but don't give him, don't give him an expose on it. At least tell him the symptoms in faith. 
I was talking to my chiropractor there. I do this all the time, and, and he's adjusting my leg because I had a little bit of a pain in my knee. And I said, but Jesus' name, I'm healed. Amen. He kind of looked at me like, he's a spirit-filled Christian. If he can't handle it, then I shouldn't be going there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, a spirit-filled Christian, people laying hands on me. All right. Speaking my faith. Let's read chapter 4, verse 1 here in Hebrews 4.1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you have seemed to have come short of it. Have come short of it. What does that mean? To be destitute, to fail, to lack, to suffer need, want, to be worse, be in want, to fail. That's right, Pastor Debbie, I've been destitute. That's because of your mouth. Start speaking, start getting it in your spirit, driving it down in through meditating on the word, and then speak it, and you won't come short of it. Verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they'd heard did not profit them. Why? Because God was holding out on me. No, because more not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Be faithful, but faithfulness and using your word, uh, using your faith works hand in hand. Amen. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the, of the world. Don't go anywhere. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hebrews 10.35, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which is great reward, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry now. The just shall live by what? Faith. The just shall live by, I just want it to happen. I'm just desired, I'm just begging God. No. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back or have short, lack, destruction, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. What does saving mean? Healing, wholeness, preservation, soundness. Amen. So let it never be said that anyone in this church has heard saying, Lord, if it be your will that I be healed. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, that's just religion. Let's speak our faith. Let's be faithful. Let's be obedient to God's purpose and plan for our lives. It's not about Pastor and I or about everybody else. It's about the plan of God, and we're all working together. Let's be faithful. Let's help. Let's, let's be faithful and on time and helpful. And we're all growing in these things, but let's give it our best, 150%. Amen. And use your faith, or you won't be able to. If you would like more information about Pastor Debbie Eberly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.